Welcome to Making Your Impact, a podcast to inspire and equip you to pursue your calling and make your positive impact on the world. I'm your host, Melissa Ike. I have a passion for making an impact, and I also have a passion for helping you make yours. So let's get started. Welcome back to Making Your Impact for another episode, episode five. So glad to have you here. For those of you who don't know me, I am your host, Melissa Ike. I'm a nonprofit co-founder and director, an anti-human trafficking activist, attorney, speaker, and writer. You can learn more about me at melissaike.com, which is spelled melissaeick.com. You're about to hear the first half of my conversation with one of my BFFs, Anna Danforth. Anna grew up as a missionary kid in Central Africa, became a high school teacher in Iowa, and is now living her adult life as a missionary with her husband and kids in South Africa. She is just a wonderful and inspiring individual who definitely understands the peaks and nadirs of spending a life making an impact. She she just says some good stuff in this episode that will give you something to think about in making your own impact. In this part of our conversation, Anna and I talk about our experiences encountering and overcoming or at least finding solutions to get around obstacles that are just going to come up when we're trying to make an impact. We also discuss the importance of grit, that ability to dig deep into our resilience and just refuse to give up. Now, I want to let you know, um, Anna and I recorded this episode a few months ago in December of 2018. She and I had actually not seen each other in six years due to her whole living at the literal opposite end of the planet thing. Uh, We do talk most days via the Voxer app, but on this very special day, we got to spend the whole day together actually face-to-face, and we ended up at a Panera And that is where we recorded this episode. Um, We actually, I will say, we had actually just started conversing like normal people. And then I realized, oh, this this conversation we're having is the podcast. And so I better start recording. So the episode kind of just jumps in. You can tell we've been talking a little bit. I also want to let you know that this is a super low-fi recording. At the time, I was just barely starting to figure out the best way to record the podcast on my phone. So, you know. You'll hear me stop a few times to check it and make sure that it's still recording, sometimes in the middle of a sentence, which makes that hard to edit out. So I just left it in. You can also hear the Panera hubbub for sure. Employees counting change. Uh, One woman who was sitting by amazingly hilarious people at some point. But I am someone who tends to suffer from noise stress. So I'm just going to let you know right off the bat, they are brief interruptions and distractions. Otherwise, it's just kind of the hum of being at a restaurant. So, okay, are you ready for this? Let's get into it. So something that I I kind of, it was actually really helpful to talk about what it was, like making an impact. Because I'm like, this world needs people to make a positive impact too. If there's something on their heart that they want to do, like they need to do that thing. They need to be empowered to do that thing. But then but then life, like you were just saying, naturally puts in these obstacles, then you're like, well, there's no way. So you were talking about obstacles kind of being an illusion. Yeah, yeah. Obstacle illusions. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Um, No, but really, like, there are times when people will think I'm too young or I'm too old or I'm not married or I am married or I have kids or I don't have kids, and these are all sort of illusions that we have um, or hurdles, I guess, that we perceive, but they can be perceived, 
and they can become excuses from um, doing something crazy or doing something with an impact. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the people who are impactful in the world are the ones who own those obstacles or those mm -hmm. hurdles or whatever it would be and carry on anyway. Right. Figure out a way around them. Right. It's not a matter, you can't always remove those obstacles. Right. If you wait until you're in this perfect place in life, first of all, you might not ever get there. Like, there's no guarantee. Like, oh, this moment's going to come when suddenly I'm not so busy anymore and I have a lot of money and I have tons of free time. That's an illusion. Right. It's a pipe dream. Right. And so instead, like, looking at, like you're saying, owning them and like looking at the obstacle and being like, how can this obstacle stay right where it is, and how can I go around it? Tina Fey, in her book, talks. she's actually specifically talking about people who are in management above you and how they can be an obstacle to what you want to do. And she was, like, remembering this, like, Sesame Street thing that was teaching prepositions called over, under, through, and it showed, like, a toddler crawling on a construction site, which makes no sense because it was in the 70s. And she's like, you'd go over, under, through. Like, how do you get around it? And she's like... That person may or may not ever move, but how can you do what you want to do anyway? Mm. Um, instead of focusing on the obstacle and getting rid of it. Mm -hmm. You know what's interesting is sometimes people learn how to actually capitalize on those things that they would see as obstacles. For example, in the nonprofit world overseas, a lot of people will see having kids as being um, not even a hurdle, maybe a hurdle to their work. And then they actually realize that a lot of times having kids in a situation like that breaks them into the culture oh. with a lot more ease than people who don't. Mm -hmm. um, but it takes working with that and being, having an open mind right. to even see that these things can actually be, I don't want to call them assets, but I'll call them assets. Right, they assets can become that way. To, yeah. yeah, to living a fruitful life mm -hmm. and, and making an impact mm -hmm. um, and using these things to make an impact. So, yeah. So, I'm going to put this on silent real quick. Oh, okay. So, it's not vibrating. Right. Okay. So, assuming that I use this, you... Okay, the reason I wanted to interview you... First of all, your name is Anna Danforth. I'll just introduce you. Yeah. Okay. And you, like, open your mouth to say your name. I'm like, <laughs> you are able to also say your name. We've been best friends since fall 2002, known each other since fall 2001, and um, you, I have just watched you over the last, hmm, close to 20 years-ish, um, make an impact in so many different ways, and you have definitely not had a traditional situation where you're like, this is super easy, guys, um, so the first one I was going to ask you about is teaching, because of all the teachers I've observed in my whole life, you've been the most naturally gifted teacher I've ever mm. experienced. I wasn't even your student. I just watched your students as they, like, participated in your class. But, like, when you were becoming a teacher, you were just married. You had your first kid. You got, what, you got pregnant within, like, well, before you were even married a year. Mm -hmm. And then you, then you had your kid. And then a few short months later, you got pregnant again. <laughs> And we laughed about it just like this. We were like, okay. Um, and so you had two small kids. And, you know, your husband was working. You're doing student teaching. You're starting out. And you had plenty of obstacles. And I don't know. When you think, when you think back on those times, like, what was the impact you wanted to make? And clear back then, 
can you think of how those so-called hurdles or obstacles, did they become an asset to you? Where you, you did what you wanted to do despite them? Hmm. You know what, when I was student teaching, I had to wake up at 4.30 in the morning <laughs> to get my kids ready and get them to daycare and then get to my student teaching job. And I remember, I had two babies at the time, and I remember asking my student teacher supervisor, is this even possible? I don't know if I can do this. And he said, you can. And all, that's all it took. Mm -hmm. I needed someone to tell me that I could do it. Mm -hmm. And then I was willing to climb over any obstacle to make it happen because someone believed in me. And um, so I was able to use those things to start learning a very strong work ethic mm -hmm. and to start learning um, how to do things well and how to multi, not necessarily multitask, but do each thing well. Mm -hmm. Like if I need to take care of my kids in the morning, I need to wake up super early to be able to do that. Um, and so starting to learn some of those things really early was a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was a gift at that time in life to, to, to be like the only person on university campus that felt like how, to have kids right. and be managing these things. Yeah. Um, and because you were still going to class at the time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And student teaching, and one of your student teaching jobs was like thirty miles away, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Oof. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I mean, I I feel like the Lord was able to use that time in life to start building habits of discipline because mm -hmm. I'm not a naturally disciplined person, and yet I needed to have those things built in like forcibly right yeah <laughs> to start building a good work ethic and to start working really hard for the things I cared about right. um, and yeah teaching and student teaching and all of that was one of those things mm -hmm. when you when I'm thinking about the impact that you made as a teacher I just remember over those years you talking about different students that you had and you know, speaking into their lives and so you are a high school French teacher in Cedar Falls Iowa and I don't know, like, what kind of impact did you see? I'm, I mean, I've never been a high school teacher. How yeah. would you describe that impact that you made? Well, what's interesting is, so I was a high school teacher for just four years, mm -hmm. and each of those years, my kids tested in in the national French exam, mm -hmm. and every year, my students placed in the top ten in the in the in the state mm -hmm. regionally, and then I had several placed in the top ten in the nation. Um, but the funny thing is, and I'm kind of quoting one of my supervising teachers here, I'm not actually a great French speaker myself, but I'm a good teacher. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's because I love those kids. Mm -hmm. So my kids were naturally inclined to wanting to learn the language, not because I spoke it super well or necessarily was the best presenter of the grammar or anything like that, but because we had a little subculture of our own where we cared for each other mm -hmm. and, um, and they, they enjoyed coming to class. Um, and I remember one year in particular getting a class of French 1 students, and they were all marginalized, at-risk students. It was a very small class. And I remember looking at each of them, and some teachers could be intimidated. I felt a little intimidated by some of the students that I had. Um, but I looked at them and I thought, I wonder if I could get these kids to love this class by the end of first semester. And they did. They yeah. showed up. It was the first period, and they showed up every day. And it was that little subculture. And so, you know, talking about an impact, they impacted me. I impacted them. We impacted each other because we had our own culture of acceptance and love and desiring to learn and grow and and everything. Um, 
and I think they knew they knew I cared about them more than the material, therefore they were committed to the material. Right. Because oh, they were committed to me. One of the things that I talked about before was like the sense of before I can make an impact, I have to be perfect at something. Everything has to be in place. I have to be 100% perfect. I have to be on top of things 100% of the time. Nothing can slip. Um, Or I have to be perfectly 100% prepared. And I mean, I, when I was student teaching, not student teaching, when I was a grad student in the French program, I wasn't that great of a French speaker either. And you were better than me. <laughs> I don't know about that, and I don't think I agree with you, but whatever. But but there again, um, it, it was still this opportunity because I was passionate about, again, like creating a connection with people. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the material. I'm sure, this is still recording. Sorry. It shuts itself off. There we go. I just interrupt myself in the middle of my sentence. Um, yeah, because I wanted to create a connection with them, and I was passionate about the material. And then we had this cool, I think it's a good way of putting it, a subculture just within our class. And um, it's just so much more than I'm going to make an impact by teaching them this subject matter. It's more about a safe space where people can come and, and they have a positive experience in a, as a high school student um, in a college foreign language class can be really intimidating to start a foreign language when you're already, you know, approaching 20. And just, you know, sometimes it just takes one person, too, to just believe in you and say, you can do this. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself, like, that's an impact. And it doesn't take being perfectly prepared. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody who's taught at all knows there are plenty of days when you're like, I have half a lesson plan. Right. Or you're just going to wing it one day. You know, right. you're doing your best. But it doesn't diminish the impact necessarily. Right, right. And I mean, thinking about when you were talking, thinking, starting to think about going to law school Mm. and the amount of obstacles that it seemed like there were in the way Mm. Um, and and the way that the way that you prayed through that and the way that you were able to pursue that, um, even though it seemed like kind of a huh dream. Um, in the in the moment, and then the impact that you have been able to have at Dragonfly, um, being an attorney and what you bring to the table because of that, it's just insane, you know, to watch the hurdles that you've overcome um, over the last whatever it's been ten years, mm-hmm. and then how you've been able to be this massive imp- have the massive impact that you have because of the things that you overcame. Um, it's interesting. It's just it's an incredible journey to follow, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and like. The Im- yeah. Um, when I started out on that journey, I wasn't. I was like almost zero percent convinced that it was even what I was supposed to do. Like I knew it's what I was supposed to do, but I also really significantly doubted. Um, but I trusted. I trusted that that was what I was supposed to do, and then it ended up. I another thing that I want to talk about more is how you don't have to know everything. You don't. You you don't have to perfectly see what the impact is going to be before you pursue it because I could never have expected to be doing what I'm doing now and that came out of going to law school and moving to Oklahoma right. I couldn't have predicted that right and it's more about just 
believing in in yourself, believing that you can do something, praying through it, and and then just going, just going for it. Right. And there has to be a, a level of comfort with um, knowing that something might fail. There has to be a risk taken, a comfort with risk taking, and knowing that it may fail, um, and and embracing that, choosing to embrace it and have right. it anyway. Yeah. Um, That's really good. Yeah. Because really. Any impact you're going to make on this world, there, I mean, failure is going to be a part of it. Right. Even along the way, step by step, something might fail. And then, but then you hear all these stories about someone who failed at something and they didn't let it destroy them. They didn't let that become the obstacle and they kept going. Right. Um, oh, what are my examples? Didn't like Abraham Lincoln, like lost elections, right? And then became like one of the most beloved presidents. What's the big one? Like Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. You know, right. I mean, imagine how just how that could destroy you. Right. Like, I'm never going to play basketball again. Okay, well, right. I'm never going to run for office again because that was terrible. Right. And instead, like, like this the what the resilience that it would take to be like, no, I'm going to go for it more. Right. I mean, that's really incredible. Right. Pushing through those things. One of the most interesting classes that I just took for my master's in education mm -hmm. dealt with um, psychology of children and what they're seeing what virtues they see in children that is leading to success today. And it's not what we used to think. Hmm. Um, what they're what they're saying now is grit. Right. Kids who have grit, mm -hmm. kids who have resilience, mm -hmm. who can fail, risk, take, fail, try again, have a little success, and keep carrying on. Mm -hmm. The kids who are like, hey, plan B, sweet, I'm mm -hmm. on board. Um, those are the kids who are seeing be successful in the, in the academic mm -hmm. world. And I see that bleeding into... Um, obviously our adult lives you know the people who are resilient and the people who have grit are the ones who make it it was really interesting I just got together with two former students of mine mm -hmm. um, and had a great conversation with them and I said hey you guys you're you're known as being part of this you know millennial generation and you guys get a bad reputation for being you know you they have all these horrible labels the poor guys um, you know not hardworking and having a bad work ethic and I said, what is that like to be surrounded by people who are labeled this way? And they said, you know, we tend to find there's a bigger dichotomy than in the past. We see a lot of people who are workaholics, and then we see people who just, like, don't care to do more with their lives. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Give me a second. You're fine. <laughs> um, oh. And, and I said, well, why do you think that is? Why do you think that there are so many, so many young people who um, are struggling to figure out what they want to do with their lives? And my student, Forrest, he said, I think it is because they have no idea what to do when plan A fails. Wow. They don't have that inner resilience, that grit that just drives them on to say, okay, I'm done with plan A because it didn't work out. I am moving on to plan B. Mm. They feel like it's settling and so they don't want to do that mm. um, instead of driving through it. And so that was just really, yeah, that was interesting because we're talking about impact and I'm seeing that the kids... Well, okay, they're now adults, mm -hmm. but the people who have an impact are the ones who know how to capitalize on their surroundings, and that means moving on to plan B or plan C or whatever the case is when things fall through. And learning from plan A. I think that we right. discount, like, and I know that it seems, double check again. I'm going to wait for them to, oh yeah, stop putting away their <laughs> Also, that gentleman has a 
radio announcer voice, which is really cool if you're a radio announcer. Yeah. Um, I feel like you hear a lot about, it seems so like, I don't know if it's Pollyanna or pie in the sky, like there's no such thing as the failure, just an opportunity to learn. Okay, cool. But those opportunities can feel super crappy at the time and they can just make you, they just make you feel so down on yourself. But even if it feels crappy at the moment, the ability to be like, okay, I'm going to feel the crappiness and then, okay, I'm going to not feel that way anymore. And then there really can be a lot to learn right. from that. Um, for example, I was telling my mom, I had this whole thing, which you probably remember when I was, it was 70 days, 70 days left in this year. And I was like, I'm going to do something self-care related every single day. Okay. Well, so I started posting and then I got some good habits and then I was like, I don't, I don't need to post every single time I go outside for 10 minutes on Instagram because that's my self-care for the day. Like that's going to get boring or look, I'm cooking for myself again, like a normal human being. Like there's nothing remarkable about that. So I stopped posting because I was like, it's not really new or interesting. And then I was like, and then definitely did not pursue self-care every single day. But I'm like, I'm not going to count that a failure. I'm going to come back again because what I did learn that standing outside, taking breaks, regular breaks, standing outside and getting fresh air was a really simple way for me mm-hmm. to exercise fresh care. I, I learned that it's important for me to be able to see out a window mm-hmm. when I'm working. Hadn't realized that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, you know, but you know what? I really do. I think I got to the point where I thought, I don't need to do this every single day. So I didn't. And then I thought, no, actually, you know what? I really think I do. Right. And so I think sometimes the failing. So the failing, like, not only has, like, such beneficial things that you learn, but it, like, crystallizes what plan B should be. And I think sometimes the plan B or the plan D can actually be better than the plan A. Because you might come up with plan A out of your own mind, but in fact, it's like the journey through plan A and you realize, oh, this is what I would want to do. I could not have told you 10 years ago when I felt called to go to law school. And at this point, 10 years ago, I was like, oh, I had just taken my first round of um, law school exams and I thought I'd failed them all. And I was like, I don't think this is right. And then I got my grades back. I had done better than I expected. And I thought, okay, well, that had to have been God working in me. Mm -hmm. Um, I could not have said at that time, yes, you know what I'm going to do 10 or, you know, however many years later, eight years later is I'm going to found an organization that serves human trafficking victims. I couldn't have even said that because I didn't know anything about it. And and so, sorry, it's just so it might not show it might not even like make that big of a sound issue but I'm not sure okay cool well okay so it was like coming out of law school and I'm like I guess I'll practice law now Mm -hmm. I didn't want to and something I talk about in my book that is forthcoming is this period of time 
when I was, it was so dark for me because I felt like such a failure. Mm. Um, I was super qualified and no one would hire me. Mm-hmm. It didn't make any sense based on my grades mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I should have been someone that someone hired, but that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was like a year, two years or so. Yeah, that were really hard. Mm-hmm. And yeah, those things that I failed at made me realize, like, I'm like, well, that's not what I really want to be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to, like, fail at some stuff to be like, oh, no, that's not it. That's mm-hmm. not it until you finally get to the thing you're supposed to do. Well, and I think that those experiences, I know what some of those experiences have been for you. And I think that they were foundational in creating you making you into the type of mentor that you are for your interns um, and approaching social media the way that you do. Uh, there were some big life lessons in some of those times in life, just um, different areas of work that you worked in and people that you worked with and for, and, and those things all impacted you and made you who you are today. Um, and if you had not gone through them, I don't believe that you would be as effective as you are today in your role. Um, and. I think it's it's so easy to get your eye off the ball in those situations and feel like this is the end of the world right now. My world is crashing and I see no options and everything around me is just falling apart. Um, And to be able to keep your eye out there and to just realize like a year from now, life isn't going to look like this anymore. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to use what I've learned here. Um, to make a better impact later on. I'm going to let this impact me so that I can impact others in a different way. I'm going to pause my conversation with my friend Anna right here, but please join me next time when we will wrap up this conversation. And until then, please subscribe to this podcast to get inspired and remember that the world needs you to make your impact.